Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and uh we talked this morning about idolatry, and we went through the whole thing with uh, what's going on in the Ukraine, uh, not all the details. Obviously, this is uh, this is people orchestrating these events. They could have avoided this easily. Uh, you know, it was very clear, don't bring NATO troops next to our border, just like you don't want to bring Russian troops next to into Cuba. And the other thing is they wanted water to go to the Crimea. And those are basically all they were asking. And uh, they could have done that, but they acted like this totally unprovoked. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was a plan. And they're not really strangling the Russian economy, although they do want to cripple Russia because Russia is opposed to the New World Order and uh, the Great Reset. Uh, but they're being manipulated as well. But really, they're strangling the American people and a lot of other people around the world and destroying the middle class. And then they'll have runaway inflation and then they'll uh, collapse the economy with uh, some sort of cyber attack on banking. They've already approved. We're going to go to a digital currency. Uh, it is time people actually started listening to Christ. Uh, there was just a ruling uh, I heard this morning from the Epic Times, uh, uh, let's see, what was Supreme Court? Supreme Court ruled uh, uh, on the side of the Pentagon over COVID-19 uh, vaccination status of Navy SEALs. They have to be vaccinated. And Justice Brett Kavanaugh, the supposed Christian, not really a Christian, he's uh, actually an idolater, like we talked about this morning. Now, a lot of people say, oh, he's just calling them names. No, I explain what an idolater is. The Bible explains what it is. And uh, almost every Christian in America is an idolater. They don't know it. They think they believe in Jesus. Now, some of you might not be far from the kingdom, but no, you're not doing what Christ said by any stretch of the imagination. And we went through that for two hours showing you. And we'll, we'll hit a couple of the highlights here today. But... Uh, he, uh, you know, the he he thought that uh, that the courts were usurping, uh, you know, judicial judicial intrusion into military affairs in this case, because they said uh, no, you can't force these guys to take a vaccination, an experimental vaccination, a vaccination that does not make you immune, does not stop you from. Uh, carrying the disease or spreading the disease to other people. They all admit that now. But he wasn't deciding that. He was deciding only what, if if the courts had a right to interfere with military decisions. And to some degree he's right, but Justice Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, and Clarence Thomas dissented. And dissented by saying, I agree that the Navy has a compelling interest in preventing COVID-19 infection, which of course the vaccines do not do, from impairing its ability to carry out 
its uh, vital responsibilities as well as the compelling interest in minimizing any serious health risk to Navy personnel. And, you know, uh, immediately, you know, you might have a little bit milder case of COVID, but these are all young men. They probably won't get sick. And there were a number of tests in the military where they vaccinated large sections of the military of young men and other sections they did not vaccinate with just the regular flu virus vaccine, which was not an mRNA. And they found that the ones who did not get the vaccine, vaccination did not get as sick as the ones who got the vaccination. I don't know how many people I know who get the flu shot and then they say, oh, just uh, eight days later I got the flu, but it would have been a lot worse if I hadn't got the shot. No, what you got was the shot. You didn't get the flu, you got the shot and the shot made you sick and you realized you were sick and you felt sick and that wasn't even the flu. Now, you might have developed a little bit of immunity and not got the flu, but they don't know what flu, the, the, the shots they give are only designed for maybe two or three different flus. And there's at least a dozen flus going around every season. So you don't even know if you got any protection at all. This is all in the imagination of people because they want to believe in science. And they want to say they believe in Jesus Christ. But they don't believe in Jesus Christ because they aren't following him and they don't really believe in science because they're not following science <laughs> if you've been wearing a mask for the last mask for the last two years you're not following the science you're following the media <laughs> and uh, that mask is your new burqa they're getting you to do something in their cult and the reality is you are a member of a cult if you're a member of the United States or a member of Canada or a member of Australia's social welfare system, you are a member of a cult. And you need to understand that you are a member of a cult. And that's, we didn't talk about it in those terms. We can approach this from many, many different terms. Uh, fornication, for instance, in, in the Bible tells you not to fornicate. Most of the time they're talking about adultery and even fornication in the Bible, including the New Testament. They're actually talking about national fornication, national adultery. And we went through a lot of the verses uh, to prove that to you today in the morning show. And now this is going to be a complimentary to that show and hopefully... Uh, get you so that you're got all the dots <laughs> and, uh, and uh, T's crossed uh, so that you know what uh, God, what the apostles were telling you, what they were warning you about uh, in the gospel. Because if you were actually following the gospel today, you would not be in the trouble that most people are in today uh, with uh, things like Ukraine uh, and uh, some of these other institutions that we see uh, that are bringing us down. The Great Reset wouldn't be a problem. Uh, they, the uh, collapse of the economy would not be a serious problem. Yeah, the shortages of food would not be a serious problem. You would probably thrive during the coming days if you were actually 
at least for the last 10 years, if not the last 20 years, doing what Christ said to do. But you haven't been. So now you're in a position where you are in need of repentance. And so when I said you are in a cult, <clears throat> a lot of you, some, some of you are in multiple cults, but I'm just talking about the national cult. Because the imperial cult of Rome was a system of social welfare uh, that you signed up for, you became a member of, and you would go to the temple to get all kinds of government services from the temple. And that, people would say, well, those are idolatrous temples. You don't want to go into those idolatrous. They have statues and they worship the statues because they think the statues are gods. Well, we talked this morning, anthropologists studying this for years and years cannot find any people that actually thought the statues were gods. They thought the statues represented their system, uh, and they may personify some sort of characteristic of their gods. And most of the golden statues and silver statues that you find in these systems are actually... Uh, Reserve funds that uh, are provided to protect you from becoming bankrupt. But of course, the United States, we did that. We didn't build an actual statue. We took all the gold and we put it in uh, Fort Knox, in the treasury in Fort Knox, and then allowed the government to borrow against it until there is no more value. You don't have any gold whatsoever. Zero, zilch, nada in the treasury of the United States. Now, there may be gold actually in the vault, but that doesn't tell you who actually owns it or has a claim on it. And the reality is uh, when they passed HDR 192 and said that U.S. citizens could no longer own gold and they started collecting them and actually throwing people into jail who had gold, what they were saying is that you did not have a lawful title to the gold anymore. You only had a legal title. And they have not changed that. So even if you go out and buy gold, you do not have a lawful title. And I could imagine very easily that in the days to come, they will outlaw your owning of gold if you're a U.S. citizen, Canadian citizen, Australian citizen. The Plutarch wanted to do it back in 100 A.D. Uh, Lycurgus wanted to do that, and they did that in places like Sparta. They outlaw. Citizen could not own gold. And that was a part of the plan. And even under Adolf Hitler, he said that gold in the hands of the people is the enemy of the state. Because they want you to become absolutely dependent upon them. And of course, that's what's happened. Is now the people have become so weak, so degenerated, they cannot even uh, resist illegal mandates. And they have no control over it. And, you know... I think of the great prophet Patrick Henry who said, opposed the Constitution of the United States and said this document was written as if good men will take office when bad men take office they will steal your rights to ambuscade. And of course that's already taken place. Like I said this morning, if you have legal title to your property you don't actually own it by definition. That is the definition in the law dictionary. It does not include the beneficial interest which the law defines as the right to own the property. You don't own that if you have a legal title. And so somebody else owns it. So Klaus Schwab is right. You own nothing. 
But you think you own stuff, but that's just a delusion. You don't really own it. So back, if you want to look up and find out more about the Roman Imperial Cult, look up Imperial Cult of Rome, capitalized Imperial Cult, and the word Rome, and you will find the Imperial Cult of Rome. And it tells you about it. Octavius uh, Caesar, who was known as the Sauter, which is the savior of Rome. And uh, he was called a god because he appointed the ruling judges of the empire. Uh, who appoints the ruling judges of the, the United States? Which is really an empire because after the ratification of the Constitution of the United States, the states were still, uh, I'm quoting here, as foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada. Even after the so-called ratification of the Constitution of the United States, which was never put to a vote of the people, and had it been put to a vote of the people, it would have been voted down. You don't know that because you haven't been taught history in your schools, but of course then you're not really being taught the Bible in your churches. So between those two sources of your ignorance... You're back in the bondage of Egypt, where you owe more than 20% of your labor to the government, and they can tax you on your land, on your labor, on your house, uh, on your car, on everything. Those are all use taxes because you don't own them. You, if you're getting charged a use tax, that's evidence you do not own the property because you don't own the beneficial interest, which is also called the beneficial use. So... Those that have been around for a while, that's just a refresher course. But Rome had been a republic. It became an indirect democracy and then a totalitarian dictatorship with all kinds of mandates for its people because they began to uh, collapse as a government, as an empire, as a society. But the Christians had another form of government in place. It's a government based on faith, hope, and charity, while the government of Rome was based on force, fear, and fealty. And that is what the United States is based on. We see in Canada, that's what they're based on. They force you to comply. You're not in charge. You're not a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. Your vote is almost superfluous entirely. But you've all become surety for debt. You've literally become merchandise. You literally have the mark of the beast already. Remember the mark of the beast. If you go to our study, mark of the beast, at preparing you, you'll see the word karagma that said that they translate mark in mark of the beast. It's the badge of servitude. That's what a mark was. It became known as a badge of servitude at that time. Uh, of Christ and uh, of the beginning of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, a karagma was a badge of servitude. And that badge proves that you don't own your labor. Somebody else owns a portion of your labor. It might be 20% like it was in the bondage of Egypt. It might be 30%. It might be 40%. You know, you have a graduated income tax and you have to pay taxes based on your income, uh, but now your income's going to go up, but the value of your income's going to go down, but it's going to shove all of you into a higher and higher tax bracket, so you will be taxed more and more and more in the days ahead during inflation, and inflation is a sort of tax, and you're going to have food shortages and everything else. 
that's coming. It's, you know, I, I don't have to be a soothsayer to see it. Just a good economist would tell you that. But, uh, I actually see a lot, and I was just sharing with two people who were coming by today and, uh, talking to them about some of the, uh, events that just took place last night, uh, at least locally here in Oregon that most people don't know about. And, uh, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. And I can't tell you about it. <laughs> but, but you'll find out about it soon enough as things continue to go, uh, the way they're going to go. But, uh, the answer, of course, is to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And if I could show you everything that was going to happen, you might believe by those, the miracles, but that's not what you want to believe by. You want to believe because you actually care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. It's not about saving yourself again. It's about saving others. Christ didn't come to save himself. So, with all that said, and I mentioned Imperial Cult of Rome. If you just type in Imperial up there in the search engine on the right-hand side, you'll be able to find that. And it tells you how it worked, how it was, you know, a, a, a system of government where the emperor was the commander in chief of the army and the navy uh, while the president of the United States is the commander in chief of the army and the navy and the air force so he can make fire come down from heaven in the sight of man uh, the apotheos was the other office that he wanted which allowed him to appoint the federal judges the, the you know the imperial judges throughout the roman empire and that is the office of the presidency of the United States. That he has the power to appoint new judges who can decide that everybody in the Army and the Navy and the Air Force has to get a vaccination, a jab, that has already killed 25,000 people within a few days of getting the jab, according to VAERS. And we know that that number is a fraction of the people likely died. So if you figure, I mean, Harvard says it's 1%. That would mean 250,000 people have died within a few days, within 30 days of getting the vaccination, if that's accurate. But let's say, the, let's err on the side of, uh, of, uh, the people say it was only 10% of the actual deaths. Well, that would mean that two, what, what if 25,000 have died, well, 10% would be 250,000. 1% would be 2,500,000. Has a million people died from the vaccination? Well, we would know that, right? I mean, the media would tell us right away. We'd see it on Facebook. Or we'd see it in Google, right? Unless they didn't want you to know it, then you won't see it. The fact is, today, I know three times, maybe five times, the people who died within, some of them within 24 hours of getting the vaccination, died of blood clots, uh, died of a heart attack. Uh, but I don't know more than one person in my field of experience that died from COVID. But I know quite a few people uh, maybe two people, if you go to the extended people that I, I don't know, but I know people who know people, it might come to two or three people. And they all had pre-existing conditions. One was in their 90s. Um, so, 
But the people, young people, middle-aged people, 30-year-old people who have died within days of getting the vaccination and even more within months of getting the vaccination of heart failure, uh, it's shocking. I mean, I can't even tell you the full number that I know personally. Uh, that's just amazing. Just amazing. And they're still giving it out, and they just gave it out to all your military. Even though the Department of Defense own data and statistics show the rise in neuropathy, the rise in heart problems, the rise in infertility has gone 100%, 200%, 300%, even 1,000% in some of these areas. According to the Department of Defense database. They know that since they started giving the vaccination, but they still want to give it to every last soldier and every last CB. I know soldiers who have quit rather than, of course, they're officers, so they get a, they resign their commission rather than get the vaccination. You have no idea. You have no proof that these people who are getting it, they're, we see also other doctors are reporting a huge rise Besides the immediate after effects, which runs in the millions, according to VAERS, the increase in cancers, the decrease in immunity, and then if you actually study the mechanism of each shot, each booster is attacking your T-cells, which are primary in your whole immune system, they're gone. And and you have to realize that 80 to 90% of the Indians who died out after the white man came here, died from disease. Why? Because they did not have a robust immune system. They did not have the T-cells that they needed that would come in a robust immune system. Now, Europeans did. They did have a robust immune system. But they did, in many cases, die of some of the diseases that were here in America. Yellow fever, all those things. They died of those. But they kept coming because a lot of them had this robust immune system. Well, why did they have this robust immune system? Trade routes. In the 1100s, 1200s, 1300s, people in Europe got around. They got around quickly and they spread diseases and the people died by the millions uh, through the different plagues. But the ones who survived had a robust immune system. Well, the reality is this attack... Do the mRNA is breaking down your immune system. If you had a robust immune system, you're not going to have it anymore. And so you're going to see a gigantic plague too. That's, and so this country will be literally undefendable because their military will have decayed and crumbled. Now there is increased high degree of uh, strange technology that the United States has, evidently the, the Russians have it now too. But what they don't have is the technology of God. They don't have something that can go above God. But the reality is the spirit that is behind all this is the spirit of destruction. It wants to see man destroyed. And we're going to see a lot of men destroyed, a lot of women destroyed, a lot of children are going to die and so what's the solution? The solution, of course, is the kingdom of God. Now, one of the things that I was telling you this morning is that uh, uh, 
this, uh, like Ephesians 5, 5, where it talks about no whoremonger, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater. That's what it says right away. Hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. No inheritance. So, but they, note that they connected covetousness, a covetous man, and unclean person with idolater. Now we saw in other writings, uh, and it was horror again, those, those three ideas, right? Well, Colossians 3-5, I'm going through this quick because we went through all this in the morning broadcast. Mortify therefore your members talking to the church, to the congregation of the people, which are upon the earth, fornication, that's back there, the whoremonger thing, uncleanness, that's the unclean person, and uh, uh, they also talk about with an inordinate affection, I need to put uh, definitions with that so you understand what that is. But evil concupiscence, well, that's just the word for lust. So it's evil lust, desiring things that it should not desire, which it, what it's desiring is the wages of unrighteousness. And then it says, and covetousness, which is idolatry, desiring the benefits of the men who exercise authority one over the other, the governments of the Gentiles, desiring those benefits even though you know that he's only going to give you what he takes away from your neighbor and takes away from the future of your children by borrowing against their future, that is idolatry. So what I said, yeah, most Christians today, going to most churches calling themselves Christian churches, promote, advocate idolatry because they advocate that you go to the imperial cult of the United States, the imperial cult of Rome, to the public religion of the United States, of Canada, of Australia, to get benefits, even though you know those benefits are only provided at the expense of your neighbor. So that's a covetous practice by definition. So anyway, then we also read from 1 Corinthians, and we read in 10.6 to start with, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things. That would be like coveting your neighbor's goods through the agency of men who exercise authority one over the other. That would be an evil thing to do that. To desire somebody to go to your neighbor's house and take away your neighbor's properties, your neighbor's labor, the things that your neighbor made or worked for, to force your neighbor to pay for what you want. That's lust. And they, that's what he says. As they also lusted. They want stuff. And they want it even at the expense of their neighbor. And they will use force to get it, their neighbor to pay for it. They're not forgiving. That's, that's everybody in America just about. And he says, neither be ye idolaters. Because why? Because that's idolatry. Because covetousness, which is idolatry. As were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. 
That's going back to the idea of the golden calf, which was a central bank, where the golden calf was a treasury, a reserve fund of all the gold that should be in the pockets of the people. See, in the kingdom of God, is, like I said this morning, is upside down from the world. What it is, is right side up according to what God wants you to do, the perfect law of liberty. He wants you to have the gold not in the treasury of Fort Knox, not in a golden calf, not in a calf of Prometheus or any other golden calf or golden statue in any of the city-states to be your reserve fund. The reserve fund of the kingdom of God is in your pocket. It's in there. But now, if you only have Federal Reserve notes in your pocket, they're losing the value. They're worth less now than they were at the beginning of the program. Now, you still have to have them and use them. But they're talking here, and as you see in verse 8, after they refer to the rose up and play, because people are not attending to what did Christ call the weightier matters. I mean, how many preachers can tell you right off the top of his head what Jesus listed off as the weightier matters? If you go and ask your preacher, what did Jesus say the weightier matters were? And he can't tell you, leave. (laughs) Go away from him. You can tell him before you leave. And if you want to know, go look it up. But neither let us commit fornication. That's where he goes. After he's talked about covetous practices... And be not idolaters, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. What's he talking about? Where did three and twenty thousand die or fell to fornication in one day? Well, Peor, Balaam, when he came down from the mountain. That whole story of Pelor. Uh, Peor. Not Pelor. That's the, <laughs> that's the, that's another cartoon. But, uh, uh, Peor. Uh, which, you know, if you can look it up in, uh, Numbers 25, uh, the first 15 verses, and it also, in, uh, Numbers, well, actually, even in verse 18, and in Numbers uh, chapter 31, verse 16, and Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 3. Or you can go to preparingyou.com. We have a whole article up. Just look up P-E-O-R. P-E-O-R and it's all about Balaam. And it's about the Nicolaitans. And the Nicolaitans have certain deeds that God hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. He hates them because... It conquers the people. It destroys the people. It weakens the people. But the deeds of the Nicolaitans is a welfare system. But it's a welfare system that operates on force, not on righteousness. Now, I mentioned that, uh, Joshua twenty-two seventeen, and also Hosea 9, 10. So what does Hosea 9, 10 say? Because we've done a study on Hosea. I was wondering, do I have... Yeah, I have audios there and everything, sidebars... All kinds of links. Uh, let's see. Well, there's at least six footnotes. I could probably put in a lot more. But uh, just in Hosea 9, there's six foot footnotes. But uh, uh, 9.10. Uh, let's go ahead and read from 7. The days of visitation are come. The days 
of recompense are come, Israel shall know it. The prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is mad. The multitude of thine iniquity and the great hatred. Remember, God hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. The watchman of Ephraim was with my God, but the prophet is a snare of a fowler in all the ways and hatred in the house of his God. They have deeply corrupted themselves as in the days of Gibeah. Therefore, he will remember their iniquity and he will visit their sin. So this is automatic. Again, like I said, the wrath of God. It's not God finally just blowing up and getting all upset or anything. But the wrath of God is built into the system. It's automatic. It's slow in coming, but we live in a cause and effect universe. So the fact that the people have been iniquitous, coveting their neighbor's goods, going to men who exercise authority and asking them to take away from their neighbors so they can have a really nice school building. Because, I mean, it's a good cause, right? But the end does not is not justified, or the means is not justified by the end. You know, I could be a rich man. All I have to do is go and rob people, and I could be a rich man. Does that make it okay? No, it doesn't. I could be a rich man if I coveted my neighbor's goods, but I'd have to covet my neighbor's goods. So you don't want to do that. But you have done that. So we see, as you're reading down in verse 10, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree at her first time. But they went to Baal-peor and separated themselves unto that shame. And their abominations were according as they loved. Because you love the wages of unrighteousness. And that's an abomination before the Lord. And so anyway, they, that's what they're talking about. Baal Peor. And because that's when he came down from the mountain. So anyway, so I've, I've shared that much with you. And then I, I there's also other quotes in, you know, in Galatians. Uh, now the works of the flesh uh, are manifest which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, uh, wrath, strife, uh, sedition. Now, I don't have all the the, uh, links to all those meanings, uh, envy and murder, etc., but it says... uh, They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, of course, we think or we're told to think that all you have to do is accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Savior and your salvation is assured. But this says if you're doing any of these things, which we've shown you that idolatry... You know, it says uncleanness, lasciviousness, that's again that lust, 
uh, idolatry, witchcraft, what's witchcraft, that's pharmakia, uh, hatred, variance, um, it just goes on and on. If you're doing these things, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. What, what are you going to do about that? You don't, you think you're saved, but you're not. You can't, it could be. If you actually repented of what you're supposed to repent of. See, some people say, oh yeah, I, I accepted Jesus and I stopped smoking. Just a miracle. But you're still taking a bite out of your neighbor through men that exercise authority one over the other. You're still practicing uh, fornication with the harlot uh, that rides the beast and the daughters of the harlot, which is all the Protestant churches who do not preach the true gospel. And, I mean, this is this is shocking. People don't want to hear this. But this is what I'm told to tell you. And so I'm telling you. But I'm not telling you to give you, make you despair. I'm telling you what the solution is. You have to become the bank of Christ. You have to become the treasury of the kingdom. The only way to do that is to sit down the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start caring about one another through the perfect law of liberty, through pure religion, which these are all articles that we uh, share with you, uh, for free. I mean, it, it's just overwhelming how much information is there. So people are idolaters, they are uh, taking a bite out of one another, they are destroying one another, and they become perfect savages, and they need to repent and go back the other way. Now, everybody has an inherent right to self-determination, but if you're in debt, you know, how in the world are we going to get you safe from the system? You can't do this on your own. You you have to have a, the God of Moses behind you. You got to have Christ behind you. Somebody was asking me. Uh, they were testing me. They wanted an excuse to go away from the network. They had promised to be a part of the network. They had promised to care about all the people in their congregation. All of what we were preaching, we had always been preaching, and so they asked some questions. To get an answer from me to allow them to say, well, I can't have anything to do with them because they don't believe the the basic teachings of the church. And this is why I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, the basic teachings of the church have to be the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's the doctrines of the church. The doctrines of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ didn't say it, it's not a doctrine of the church. Now, it might be your personal belief. It might have been the belief of Matthew. It might have been the belief of Luke. And it might be even true. But it's not a doctrine of the church unless it's a doctrine of Christ. And, in other words, it's not essential to your faith if you believe in these peripheral, catechismic beliefs that have been conjured up out of the Bible or out of interpretations of the Bible, private interpretations of that, that is not the answer. Answer. That is not the gospel of Christ. 
it may be the gospel of some of his followers, the good news of some of his followers. It may be accurate, may be true. You know, like he wanted me to answer where I stand on the virgin birth. I believe that Matthew said there was a virgin birth in the text of the gospel of Matthew. I believe that Luke said there was a virgin birth in the gospel of Luke. And I believe that a lot of people believe that, and I believe that it very well may be absolutely true. I do not have any problem with it. I do not preach against it. But Mark never even mentions it. John doesn't mention it. So, what? what's the deal? Christ doesn't talk about it. You know, why didn't Christ talk about it? Because it's not a doctrine of Christ. That's why he didn't teach about it. It doesn't mean it's not true or is true. That's between you and God. That's not a doctrine of the church. I'm only preaching what Christ preached. I'm not even preaching what Paul preached. I'm preaching what Christ preached. But I believe that Paul preached what Christ preached. And if you think Paul didn't, you either don't understand Paul or you don't understand Jesus Christ. And so you have to go back and find out what did he actually say. So, uh, anyway, I didn't answer that and he also wanted my opinion of the Trinity. You know, what, what do I accept as the teachings of the Trinity? Well, Christ never even mentioned the word Trinity. Christ mentioned the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. I mention it all the time. Christ talked about uh, being the Son of the Father. Of course, we're all supposed to be sons of God. That's always been a terminology in reference to the uh, Israelites and to the followers of Christ. Because he says we're brothers, so if he's the son of God, then we're son of God at least by adoption. Uh, But what does that mean? Uh, Well, he didn't care. He just wanted me to say, I believe in the Trinity. Well, I also talk about God the Father all the time, creator of heaven and earth. Now, those are three different people. Uh, and they're all in harmonious agreement. But even when I ask him, what what do you mean by Trinity? Can you explain it? He says, no, it's a mystery. You just have to believe it. Well, I talk about it all the time, but I don't use the word Trinity. Because I know there are some people that have created whole religions, whole theologies surrounding the Trinity... And those people have led people astray from the actual teachings of Jesus Christ by focusing on a a teaching about the Trinity, which they themselves say is a mystery and we can't understand. If you want to believe in the Trinity, fine. I believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. If you want to say that that's believing in the Trinity, fine. But if you're arguing these points, I mean, he starts out saying he doesn't want to debate. But if you start out saying that, and then you present an argument outside of the conversation that Jesus had with us, and want to know if I promote it as a doctrine of the church, again, the doctrines of the church are what Jesus taught. And I'm not going to change that. I can't change that. I don't have the authority to change that. And I don't see a need to do that. But if you're pressing these other points that you've gleaned out of the Bible or theologians or teachings, and it's distracting you 
from what Christ actually said. Distracting the people from what Christ actually said. Actually getting the people to go the way of the Corbin of the Pharisee, which Christ said was condemning the Pharisees. The kingdom was going to be taken away from them because their system of Corbin was not bearing fruit. Their system of Corbin is the system of Corbin of FDR and LBJ. And Australia actually set up such a system even before the United States. And it's based on a covetous practice through men who exercise authority. If you're not telling people that, you're not preaching Christ. If you're getting him to focus on things he never even talked about, then you're a prophet of the beast. You're distracting them from the actual gospel and adding to it, making it your gospel, your church's gospel. I think it's great to study all the Bible. I think it's great to study history. I think it's great to figure all those things out. But the doctrines of the church are the doctrines of Jesus Christ. If he didn't mention it, it's not essential. And if people got you studying things that he never mentioned and neglecting what he told us to do and and getting us to do what he told us not to do, then you're not a preacher of Christ. You're not a minister of Christ's gospel. You're a worker of iniquity. And you're a prophet of the beast. And that is what you do not want to be. So you're in great need of repentance. But anyway, and the fact is, you will not be ready for the days ahead. You are leading the people to destruction. That's a, that's a bad thing to do, but that's what people are doing, is they're leading the people to destruction. Yeah, I've, I've done a great deal of studying on things like I, what, what we're gonna need to do is we're gonna need to have guests on the show, and people are gonna need to have a conversation. Uh, I think we have the ability to do that. We can actually log in, uh, and have Facebook conversations and we can do this off the time of the show and then I can upload them to the show. They like to have live shows. But if we get other people in there and we practice this a little bit, we can start to do that and up our game, so to speak. Uh, but uh, a lot of people aren't, aren't realizing that. So I have talked about Yuval Noah Harari and I've given you some quotes from him. And one of the things that I, I wanted to share with people also when they, since we mentioned the Trinity, this idea of Trinity, it goes back in a lot of different cultures and everything, and it has to do with the way in which people think, that, that mind, that tree of knowledge that's sitting on the top of your head, which we call a brain, and there's a thing called the triune brain, and your brain, they divide it into three parts, you have a uh, a primal pre-reptilian uh, primal brain uh, which is uh, uh, part of the neocortex and uh, it also has uh, see if I can remember where uh, oh here it is um, oh the paleo mammalian or the emotional brain and it's part of your limbic 
system, while the reptilian or primal brain is part of your basal ganglia, which is down there in the center of your brain. All these, there are actually people that only really have the reptilian primal brain. Not, not very many of them, but there have been people who have been born where the brain really isn't there. But that primal brain is there. Little remnants of the paleomammalian brain is there. And they're, they're alive, but they, they can't do much. They're pretty stunted. But they can interact and they can feel and they can have emotions to some degree. But then there's the neomammalian brain, which is your rational brain, which is, again, a part of that neocortex. But there's a, there's a num, numerous scientists who are looking at these brains and what they can do and what they can't do. But the reality is, is these, all three of these can work in harmony and create frequencies so that your brain can actually become a tool. And this is where prophecy comes in, where you see things far off, where you, where you can get messages from above. And we talked about that. Born again is not actually translated properly. Properly translated, the words there are born from above. And what it has to do is that your brain is actually connected to those higher realms. And in those higher realms of creation, they can tell you what's coming. And, you know, when to go, when not to go, where to be. And uh, people like Yuval Noah Harari don't understand that. They don't understand these other realms. He's he's really fallen, and he's although he's a real smart guy, he really is is almost uh, instead of connecting to this higher consciousness with his very clever brain, he is actually uh, more of the reptilian brain, the the snake in the garden brain, and many of the things that he's saying comes right out. Of this, uh, the words of Satan in the garden. And, you know, like he said, history began when humans invented gods. And will end when humans become gods. And uh, he says this is the end of uh, the sapien, the, of mankind. That they're going to remold mankind. It's part of the Great Reset. And I told you about his idea that the... Convince a monkey to give you his banana uh, by promising him limitless bananas after the death in monkey heaven. Well, that's not what the Bible is all about, although that's kind of echoing some of the teachings that you find in some churches. That it's all about we're spo- we don't get to the kingdom until we die, even though Jesus said the kingdom of God is for the living. But Harari ends up saying all kinds of things. How do you? cause people to believe in an imagined order such as Christianity and democracy or capitalism. He lumps all those together. Uh, first, you never admit that the order is imagined. And so, and it's interesting, like I said, uh, during podcast 1769, I haven't listened to the whole thing, by Jordan Peterson and uh, Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson admitted that the Bible is fundamental to all, that was the first book. And what it taught, whether true or not, and and I, I would say there's a lot of things in the Bible that are not true because you have take, you've unmoored the metaphor. The metaphor is true. The message is true. 
But even the Bible says it's an allegory. It's like you're, you're taking the parables and you're turning them into factual stories. They're stories trying to tell you something more. What they're trying to tell you is true, but it, Jesus is not giving you a historical account of a guy sowing seeds. Although, when a guy sows seeds, all those things happen that he said. But that was, he wasn't talking about horticulture. He was talking about faith in the kingdom of God. So, uh, Yvonne also said, culture tends to argue that it forbids only that which is unnatural. But from a biological perspective, nothing is unnatural. So all things is natural to him. And remember some of those things we pointed out there that were unnatural affections. And of course that's a byproduct. So a lot of people have these unnatural affections. They can't help themselves. But it's a byproduct of another way of thinking. And it's basically a byproduct of the covetous thinking. Thinking that you can take from your neighbor by force, by covetous practices, and it's okay. It It's not okay with God. It's a sin, according to whatever sin means. But it actually lowers your ability to access that higher plane. Remember, Corbin of Christ comes from a word that means to draw near. But the Corbin of the Pharisees, and like I talked this morning these gifts of the uh, of these other systems they're they're not good they're evil they're the uh rewards of unrighteousness they don't draw you near the good they draw you near the bad and so that you're you're going to be getting messages from the bad and they're going to tell you it's good to walk off this cliff <laughs> Or destroy yourself or elect this ruler. But it isn't. It's bad. But you don't know that. Uh, he also says the uh, American Revolution was better uh, than the Bolshevik Revolution because the Americans did not try to do so much. To one degree that, uh, I think he meant to say that is true, Americans were protecting the rights of the individual, but the Bolsheviks were taking them away. They were taking them away to give them supposedly to the collective, but it didn't go to the collective, it goes to the men who rule over the collective. And But what made America great was that we gave the responsibility of running things to be a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, to the people. And the people began, if they wanted a school, they had to donate money and donate time and build it. Today, if you want a school, you have to get it on the tax rolls and then you can send the sheriff to your neighbor's house and force him to contribute so you can get it. One system draws you closer to hell and despotism and tyrants, which is what you get in hell. And it does it by making every man a little tyrant. And then that allows a big tyrant to take over. But the kingdom of God requires that everybody lay down their life so that they can have life more abundant. So all the things that you're not going to have now and the, the, the loss of value in your money, it all has to do with the fact that you didn't actually follow the ways of Christ. You follow the ways of your church. 
You may have believed in the virgin birth and Jesus Christ and accepted that died for your sins. And you may say that you, you're washed by his blood and that you believe in the Trinity. You know, I can't think of all. I have a whole list on a page I've been working on of all these things. But that isn't the gospel of Christ. That isn't the doctrines of Christ. The doctrines of Christ is that you have to love your neighbor as yourself and not covet your neighbor's goods, not pray to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other to get the wages of unrighteousness. Because if you do, you'll become merchandise and curse your children. And Peter reiterates that. But John the Baptist says this is how you take care of one another through charity, not through force. Not to fear, not to feel fealty. Because if you do it through those ways, you will be drawn into darkness, drawn into destruction. And so, Harari doesn't understand this, but he has a reptilian brain. <laughs> he has a rept- his conscience has been seared. So he doesn't understand that. So, anyway, we're running out of time, so I'm just gonna have to say, join the network. Find groups. Start joining with them, even if it's on phone calls. Start uh, finding out so you can actually talk about the kingdom and preach the gospel of the kingdom to other people and tell them what all the other churches weren't telling them. And start learning to sacrifice your time, your energy, your money to get this message out to other people. And uh, if you don't... uh, So be it. If you do, God bless you. So anyway, until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.